Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, home of the world's greatest artist, TLC, Gladys Knight, India Ari, Indigo Girls, and Hartsfield Atlanta Jackson Airport, the Falcons, and Clark Atlanta University. This is The Bright Side with Technicia, a daily show with real people with real experiences. And now, here's your host, Technicia. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. Today is October the 17th, 2019. I'm so glad to be back with you guys. You know, a lot's been going on since we haven't been on the air, but it feels good to be back with you. I think we're starting to feel a little bit of the fall weather now. It was pretty hot, but now it's starting to cool on down, so I hope everyone has on their jackets out there. Not too heavy, but something light because it's real chilly here in Georgia. But here with me today is the only female comedian who stuttered when she started nine years ago. Nina G believes that the problem with the stutterer, she believes that the problem isn't with the stutterer, but with a society that isn't inclusive or accessible to those who experience this disability. In her book, which I have the pleasure of holding, Stutterer Interrupted, the comedian who almost did happen, Nina challenges the status quo of how people who stutter are perceived outstage, on stage, and off. Additionally, she substitutes the negative emotions of shame, denial, and isolation with positive ones of pride, acceptance, and community. And despite learning disabilities, she has a doctorate and is now working with students with disabilities to access their education. So without further ado, I'd like to bring Nina G on. And if anyone has questions, Please dial in at 845-277-9285. Yes, it's a new studio number. I was surprised that you are. But, yes, again, 845-277-9285. It's posted on my Facebook and as well as Twitter. So you can definitely listen in. If you're listening from the podcast or your phone, that will be the bright side with ck.com. You can listen in from your computer. There are always other tools that you can always listen in. And if you have any questions, do dial in at that number so you can get those questions um, answered. So, Nina G., I, I want to thank you so much for being here with us today, taking out your time. Thank you. It is a joy to be here. Uh, first and foremost, I want to just say I love the book. I don't know if anyone oh. has told you that with different interviews. I love it. Um, just uh, whoever did the illustration on it is pretty cool. It really I, is. Yeah, I love the cover. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, I wouldn't even had, even if I probably didn't know y'all would have still bought it. I just, I, cause I love art. <laughs> I do. So, so Nina, I, I want to ask this. Um, can you tell us about your journey as a stand-up comic? Yeah, so my journey as a stand-up comic started way before I started stand-up comedy. Um, I was always a really big fan of comedy. Um, I remember being four, four years old and seeing Steve Martin on TV, and just it just kind of hit with me. And then as I got a little bit older, um, I would name stuffed animals and sock puppets after Lily Tomlin characters and 
Gilda Ratner, um, and um, my parents. They didn't always. Um, they 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 were very open about what we watched uh, on TV. Me me and my brother growing up, and stand up comedy was something that they always liked. And my mom was a big Richard Pryor fan, and I saw Richard Pryor um, films. It's just stand up films when I was very very young, and so I was just exposed to really good comedy and also the power of comedy to change how how people th- thought about things and how to t- talk about uh, difficult things. So when I was about 11 years old, I decided my it's 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 my love for comedy turned into wanting to be a comic and throughout my teen years I would write jokes and I would always dream about getting up on stage. Um but I never got up on stage because of my stuttering. I started to stutter when I was eight years old. And in the 1980s and 90s, when I was growing up, I never saw anybody who talked like me doing stand-up comedy. And there were actually very few people who had stuttered at the time in the public eye. So I just didn't think that you could stutter and be a stand-up comic. So the dream died, but the love for comedy never died. And then when I was 35, no, 34, I went to a conference for people who stutter, um, and it was with the National Stuttering Association, and there I encountered 500 people plus who, who, who were like me with the similar kinds of experiences and all of that. And what I realized there was how much I was holding myself back. Um, it was kind of like I thought that my voice and my speech was a burden to other people. So I realized there that I was holding back um, in talking, but also how much – just like the books stutter interrupted suggest we are interrupted all the time. And what I felt was I had self-interrupted. I was interrupting my own hopes and dreams and wishes. And it, and that affected so many things in my life. And one of those things was the pursuit of stand-up comedy. So when I stepped off the plane back home in Oakland, California, I started to make changes in my life. And within Six months, I got up on stage and did my first open mic, and I'm coming up on 10 years in March, so it'll be 10 years that I've been doing stand-up comedy, which I can't believe that that it's been that long. Wow. As my mentor was telling us yesterday, because I I worked in network marketing business, she was saying, you're not everybody's cup of tea, And, and that's true with anybody, no matter if you stutter or not, you're not everybody's cup of tea. Now look at you. You were you were stuttering, but not everybody hear you now, Nina. Every, everybody wants yeah. to hear you. Um, like in the beginning of your book, you even talked about how the teachers downgrade. You wouldn't even never have thought of a teacher who supposed to have the mentality of teaching other students and be patient with you would tell you, "I'm going to skip over you or show you that I'm going to skip over you because I don't want to hear that." You're worse than the children. You're worse than the students. Like. You're supposed to be the role model, but you're acting just like them. Like that's 
that's not cool, but I'm, I'm glad that you found a way to get through your breakthrough because that's what we all have to do. Um, as she was telling us yesterday, you focus on you focus on your opportunities. You don't focus on your obstacles, and that's what it seems to me just hearing you say that you've been doing this for a decade now. Hey, I'm not focusing on my obstacles. That's not going to stop me. I even dated a guy in high school who stuttered, but he was the coolest mm-hmm. guy. Everybody loved him. I, I mean, I guess it's mm-hmm. just people's uh, perceptions, what they have of stuttering, and, and people don't know any better. Now, as being a comedian, what some of, what are some of the challenges that you face? Um, I think the biggest thing is writing the material. <laughs> so that is the biggest okay. thing is to constantly, I mean, and, and that is just like a, any other comic. It is developing new material. Um, and that is always a challenge. And for me personally, um, I whenever I write something new, I don't know where I'm going to stutter. So I don't know if it's going to be on this word or that word. And I, I don't even think about that when I write it. And so um, so sometimes I can mess up some of my timing. And so I always try to really test the material out and see what's going to work and how it's going to work with my speech as well. And that's always fascinating for me to see. Okay. Well, you doing like I said, you doing you doing very well. I can imagine though trying to come up with uh, material. I even tell my daughter that she always try to be so funny, and I'm like, yeah, but you are gonna have to come a little stronger now. You got other comedians out there who bring their A game. It um, <laughs> exactly. So what do now, Nina? From other comedians, how do you prepare yourself? It compare myself how? What are you thinking? Um, like if I'm funny you, or not uh, or if, what? Right. When you maybe write a joke, um, mm. well, as you say, you don't actually think about when you're going to stutter at that point. So um, is it preparation for you? Do you prepare any of your jokes ahead of time when you do write them down? Yeah. And so I am pretty – like. I I think one of the really interesting things is that because of my stuttering, I think I have kind of cultivated the economy of speech. So you won't hear me rattle off when I'm doing a showcase or doing a show um, where I kind of get to the point fast because in my life I've kind of had to do that. And what has what what works well is that is what you do as a comic, especially in a nightclub, especially in a dive bar where people might be throwing stuff or something, um, that you need to get to the point. And so for me, my stuttering has also helped me to cultivate that and to cut the fat uh, off of my jokes. And, um, and and I think that is one thing that it's it is a skill that I already have going into this. Um, so mm-hmm. that 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 I think has been very helpful. Oh, awesome! Now, where do you actually get the ideas and material for your comedy strip? You know, I I will work so hard to write a bit about, and and it's almost always something that bugs me. 
Like whatever bugs me and it gets stuck in my head, that is something that I want to do a joke about or a bit about. But then what happens is someone will say something about my stutter and then all of a sudden I have three new minutes. (laughs) And so there are things that just kind of happen that it's like, okay, this is my new bit and I can't wait to get on stage to talk about it. Uh, and, and then, and it turns into something really fast, but then other times, like you could cultivate a bit and it just, um, never gets there. And so I have those kinds of two ways that that happens. And, and this could be anything from, I don't know, a conversation with my husband or something about someone in my family or stuttering. Right. And I was reading a little bit more into your, um, when I got past the first part about the teacher and everything, and then I was looking at how when you went and did your audition for the comedy night, how even the, what was it, um, Oh, the club manager, where she told you, you know, yeah. if you keep doing this with the mic, I'm sure you have the confidence to stop stuttering. She was standing in a way like, okay, this is just this is just out of, you know, like it's a common go, like you got butterflies in your stomach, and they'll just go away once you open up. But not understanding this is a true, actually, um, condition, a disability part of, of yeah. your life. Yeah, and, 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 like, also that, like, I, I I thought I was really good that night. I thought I delivered my jokes well. I thought I was just as good as everyone else. But she couldn't get past my stutter. And, and you know, and it's that awkward situation of, like, do, do you tell this person off? Do you educate them? Do you kind of go go with it because you think you might get a job out of it? And, um, and, and there are those kinds of situations that I encounter and, um, and, and those are always really good for the material. <laughs> so luckily I'm a comic, so I have a way to vent that. Why wow, you could brush it off so quickly. Now you got yeah. involved in disability advocacy. What, what made you get involved in that? Oh, uh, um, I mean, I, throughout my life, my parents were always really good advocates. And what I always tell people is that you should never feel sorry for me for stuttering or having dyslexia because I also have that. Um, so never feel sorry or pity me for those things. But you can pity me for going to Catholic school in the 1980s because that was really hard because the kinds of uh, – accommodations and access and understanding that I needed, they did not have because it was kind of like the, um, they, they only taught to the mainstream at the school that I was at. And so I saw my parents fight a lot for me. And even though that fighting does, didn't always translate into better access at my school, I knew that I was worth fighting for, and I saw someone advocate, and um, and so I think I really learned that it's it's that advocacy piece for my parents, and what I also learned from my parents, my uh, on my dad's side, I'm fourth generation disabled, so my dad's hard of hearing, his dad 
was also hard of hearing, and my grandfather's mom was also hard of hearing. So for me, disability wasn't that big of a thing. It was just like, oh, there are differences in how people do, do, do things, and you deal with it. And for me, um, that attitude was a really important piece. Right. And see, that's that key word. Those are the key words. You just learn how to deal with it, but you don't let that be a hindrance to you. And a lot of people, even in society, even regardless if you got a disability, that comes with anything, anybody who did harm to you, sexual abuse, anything that you can imagine, sex trafficking, anything of the sort, because I have had so many guests on, divorce, maybe your husband cheat on you. You don't let nothing stop you. Once you let it stop you, that's when it defines you. It takes over you. You become that condition. Oh, you're the one who started. Oh, you're the one who got abused. You're the one who husband cheated on you. You don't let those stop you. And I'm I'm so glad that you're here, Nina, to encourage others. There is hope out there for you to keep going if you're willing to keep going. But you got to be willing to do it. No one she could talk to you guys all day till she's black and blue in the face. But if you're not willing to do it, I can lead you to the water, but I definitely can't make you drink it. So you, I hope whoever yeah. out there that did that you are getting some value from it, please make sure you share and tag someone. Once you share it, tag someone in this. Share the value with others who need to hear this. Um, um, now, Nina, what were some of, what were mainly some of the turning points on your personal journey. I know that they compare you to pursue coming. I know that you mentioned that you attended the National Stutter Association Conference. Um, that gave you, that put an impression on you. Were there any other turning points in, in your personal journey that compare you to pursue comedy, comedy besides just watching on TV? Yeah, I mean, um, it's it, like for a lot of girls, it was always like the it's the girls in Teen Beat or you know whatever. Like growing up, it was Ricky Schroeder and New Edition and and um, who else and Jason Bateman or something. I I I, I was never into that. Um, it's the first people I had crushes on were just stand up comics, and then I eventually married one, so that made sense. Um, and it was just always that thing that other kids liked rock and roll or they liked rap. I was liking comedy and buying those albums. It's the first album I ever bought was a Steve Martin album. So those are all those things that just kind of um, cultivate that love. And then when I got into school, even though – I stopped wanting to be a comic when I went to college and I had to write papers. I wrote a paper on the first amendment and stand-up comedy because that's, that's the thing I knew. And that is what I related to. And so, you know, a lot of times we may love something and we may want to do that thing, but we don't end up doing that thing, but we may um, be able to engage in it in a way that makes sense for us or even make money for us um that if you don't end up singing you may also be an academic who talks about that genre of music so i think it's really important to engage in those things that you love 
because you may not do that exact thing, but you may do something around it, and you could just enjoy it a lot, too. <laughs> so that is the other part. Right. Now, when you when you speak, are there certain words that you know that you'll probably end up stuttering on, Nina, and, and maybe deter away from them, or you kind of just um, restructure that whole sentence? Oh, that is such a good question because this is where that intersects with my dyslexia a lot because there are some people, like I have a, I have a good friend, Gina, who, who I talk about in the book, who, is, who has traditionally been a covert stutterer. And so what that means is that she can talk around words um, and kind of hide her stutter. And actually, that is what many people feel that Joe Biden is, because right now, a lot of people are kind of attacking him, saying, oh, he is mushed mouth, and he is this, he is that. No, he's actually a person who stutters. And because he's speaking more and more and more, and probably has less control over the environments that he is speaking at, he his his the stuttering is coming out, and there was an article that I just read by um, Dr. Jackson at 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 NYU, where Biden was going to say Obama, but he was about to stutter on it, so he said my boss, um, and so those are some of the things that some people do. Now, for me with dyslexia. What that means is I sometimes have a hard time coming up with all of the words that I could use in place of that word. So um, I try, I, 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 I don't do this well. And usually the word that I might use instead might be in an inappropriate word. And so I, I usually end up saying the, saying the word that I'm going to use to stutter on. Um, and that is why I'm more of an of 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 an overt stutterer, and and just right there when I said of and oh 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 overt, I sometimes stutter on double cotton cons no on on double vowels. So there is um, oh I can't say because there's a certain phrase in my act that I say that I know that I'm always going to stutter on that because it's a vowel um, on one word and then a vowel uh, on the next word. And so there are those things that I know that I will do, but it's very common for people who stutter on Bs, like in boy, to also stutter on Ms, like in mom, because it's similar muscles in the mouth, and those are bilabial sounds. And so it's sometimes common for someone to stutter on a C to also stutter on a G or a K. Um, so it's, it, it is similar sounds. Um, mine are kind of varied, um, but I, it's the double vowels and STs, as you could tell, are some of the words that I have the repetition more. Okay. See, we learned a lot, and because I, I, I didn't know, you know, when you miseducate, you just you don't know. What should people know about stuttering that they usually get wrong or don't know themselves? 
Oh, there's so much they get wrong. Um, <laughs> so, I, I don't think we have a long enough show, but I, I will just say a few things. I think the first thing is, is people oftentimes will interrupt us. And what I always say is I stutter and you're just going to have to wait for all of my brilliant ideas because if you just wait, it will come. And sometimes it's very frustrating for people to interrupt because we know what we're going to say, um, but, but, it, but it just takes us a longer time. And another thing is people think it's because of intelligence or because, and that is the problem with Biden, is people are like, oh, he's uncomfortable or, 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 or he isn't smart. No, no, the guy's smart. Like, he wouldn't have gone this far if he wasn't smart. Um, and so people will equate so, so stuttering and 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 intelligence or nervousness. And in fact, when I am nervous, I will stutter less because my brain's like ah. Um, and so and and that leads me to the next thing is that it is a difference in the brain. It is on the left side of the brain, and the left side of the brain is where we produce language. And that is why when we talk, we Stutter, but there are singers like Mel T- Tillis or Bill Withers who 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 stutter when they talk, but they don't when they sing because that is a different function. And my favorite example there is the actress Marilyn Monroe because she that's why she talked like this. Was she figured out if she talked like this, she wouldn't stutter as much because that is wow. a different part of the brain. Now, she did not know that because she didn't know any of the brain science, and that's because no one did at the time, but we can trick our brains like oh. that. Wow. I dropped right? the mic. I, 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 lost, I never knew. I never knew mm-hmm. that. Wow. Wow, that's a Wow, because they always focus. I know. You know they always they always focus on the dress and everything and happy birthday to. But never they. Wow, that yes. is interesting. And I thought it was just part of her trying to be cute, you know, when you want to talk babyish. Oh wow, mm-hmm. that that's well. And, and then I once just, once I'm, I was telling a guy this about this, a. And I did the voice, and he's like, oh, that's very sexy. Maybe you should talk like that all the time. I was like, nah, <laughs> no, I, th- I think I'm good. Uh, <laughs> so. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I know you probably get it. You get some jerks um, in your lifetime. I know you probably have, Nina, who yeah. find their way of flirting with you, but also probably don't understand disability at the same time, so kind of be like buttholes. Now, personally, what, what should people know about you as someone who actually stutters? Um, for one, I know already by you talking about it, definitely. You probably don't want anybody just to let you at least finish talking because that's, that's probably one of the pet peeves I can imagine that you have. People always cutting you off. Don't let you finish that last sentence. Like, hey, I'm trying. If you let me get it out, I'm going to get it out. But you got you to gotta be patient. It's about patience. Yeah, and and also about like like the other thing is is that I I don't have to be fixed. 
a lot of times people are like, oh, this thing could cure you. And there is no <laughs> cure. There is nothing. Like, I've gotten everything from sexual acts could cure my speech, which, like, I'm all, I don't think so. Um, and, 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 and also people like, oh, I, I saw this thing on TV. And it's like, no, none of that stuff works. I can't sing all the time. I can't talk like Marilyn all the time. I just need people to shut up and let me talk. And, and I just hope people really understand that there is the diversity in how we speak, and it's not that something is necessarily wrong with us, but it is because we always are told that we have a communication disorder, but it's always ironic to me that it's other people who are interrupting us. So I think they really have the communication disorder. Now, is that what um, I heard the word stutter, stutter explaining. If if I'm saying that correctly about people who think yes. they know what they don't know. Yeah, and and it's stutter explaining is when someone who is fluent or someone who does not stutter starts to explain stuttering to us. And and we get, you know, everything from like, oh, maybe it's gluten or, oh, like once somebody was like, you know, I've heard this thing on NPR because whenever someone says NPR, it's like, oh, they, suddenly they're an expert. Um, and so this guy was like, oh, you know, people who stutter don't stutter when they talk to dogs. So couldn't that help? I'm like, dogs dogs also don't interrupt you like can't you learn that from that too like um so so you get some really weird stuff when you stutter and it's just good for people to back off of it Mhm. yeah you know that's whenever i do agree with you everybody want to come out the woodworks like they like they have so much expertise in the subjects like okay like and like you were just saying okay this is not going to work Okay, you may have done your research, but that's still not going to work for me. And that's definitely not going to work. Like, everybody got a darn PhD all of a sudden. Like, where you go? What are you going to school at? What, 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 what's that your degree in? Oh, <laughs> well, no, I, it's I, their I, second I cousin on their mom's side had something that was kind of the same. <laughs> so they think they're an expert. <laughs> I, can, I can imagine the weird stuff that you actually go through, and people be thinking they're doing you a favor. But you're asking not. You're you're actually being annoying. Like, let just let me be. I, I think I'm still gonna live. <laughs> I'm gonna live. I'm not gonna die from this. Um. So, um, how did the portrayal of stuttering in the media impact you? Oh well, I didn't have very good images growing up. I was. I what I always say is in the 1980s, the best image I had was a cartoon pig who didn't wear pants. Like, probably not the best uh, image for a little girl growing up. Um, and, and in films, especially in the 80s, before the King speech, um, it, people who stuttered were either killing themselves or killing someone else, or they died at the end of a film. And, um, and so 
the first place that I really saw a more positive image was on the Howard Stern show, which, like, everybody's like, Howard Stern, he's, you know, awful and blah, blah, blah. Well, he was also the first person who consistently had a person who stuttered on, and this was um, Stuttering John. And he would do interviews, and he would stutter, and that was part of the joke. But he also asked very obnoxious things, and that was the even bigger joke. And the way that people looked at him when he asked these things and when he stuttered, it was also that same face that people looked looked like when I talked, when I ordered food in a restaurant or something like that. So for me, it was the first time I really saw any part of my experience on TV. And I would love to say that since then, it's gotten so much better, but it hasn't because now with the internet, there's always like, here, this it's this kid is going to sing a song and he's going to be fluent and this is going to be inspirational. I was like, no, this is just kind of a trick. And I think the real inspiration comes when people change how they think about stuttering and to be advocates. Yeah. And then it's, it's just amazing, I mean, to be professionally funny for a living and then you're using your own experience as a person with disabilities just to crush the stigma and, and change attitudes changing people's perception of what they think it's like for people who stutter, what you think you know, and you actually don't know. You live in the shoes of that person who's going through that. It's not something you could just give medicine for or I give you a shot and it's gone the next day. This is something that I have to live with, but I, I love it. You're changing, you're changing the mindset for a lot of people right now. As far as what Thank you, you are going you're welcome, Nina. As far as what you're going through mm-hmm. and all that you know, how do these negative de- depictions affect those who do stutter? I mean, I think for me it limited what I thought I could do. Um I didn't think I could be a stand up comic and, and now there are people who are stand up comics beside me who 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 stutter, and there are politicians who stutter, and there are people in the military who stutter. And I really think these kinds of I I think that a diverse set of jobs and of people who are stuttering openly in those jobs is what we need to see. And a lot of times the person who is propped up as the person that we should that that we should emulate who is famous oftentimes those people do not stutter openly so it's kind of like saying like oh you uh, better be over it if you're going to be successful but there's plenty of people out there um who who are successful but they still stutter and i think those are the people that we should be highlighting. Also, when you see images of the disability or the stuttering in the media, oftentimes it's a white man. And I think that we need more diversity in how images are being delivered. 
that um, growing up, I didn't see a woman who tuttered till I was 23 on to TV. And again, it was the Howard Stern show where I saw that. And I always say that when a woman gets her best images from the Howard Stern show, that the media could be doing a lot better than that. Mm-hmm. Howard Stern, boy, I used, I used to stay watching Howard Stern. Yes, I loved his show. It, oh, good. It, it was just I so fun. Yeah, I do. I love some Howard Stern. Uh, now, <laughs> when you go out and you start your, your act, how do the audience um, react to you? Oh, yeah. So Sometimes it's with skepticism. Because they think that I'm faking uh-huh. it, like it's for the comic effect. And one of the things I say is, like, you know, if if, if that were the case, I'd be like the uh, Meryl Streep of stuttering because you can't fake it to, to, this good. Um, and because they've seen all kinds of like bad stuttering, um, and mine is specific to me. Um, but the what they've seen on TV is not representative. Um, and so there's those people. Then there are some people who are uncomfortable, and that is always interesting because the ones that are uncomfortable are always the ones who think that they're extra cool about everything, that they think they are the most woke and all of that, but they are squirming in their seats because of my speech. And that's, oh, I love that because recently, the past couple of years, people, um, women especially, will look at their friends and do like, oh, like a pity moan. And I'm like, if you know, it'd be great if you did that when I needed it, when I'm at Starbucks, and let's say the barista made fun of me when I said my name. I don't get a pity moan then, but I get it when I'm on stage. Like, how is that the appropriate time? So there's those kinds of people, but for the most part, people are great. And every once in a while, what I really love is I get someone in the audience who's stutters, and I'm the first person that they've ever met who's stutters, and that's amazing. It is, and it's it's amazing how many people, all, all the actors out there that you would never think of, like you mentioned, yeah. Marilyn Monroe, no one would have, you couldn't tell. You never you never could tell with that voice. Never heard her mm-hmm. trip up on her words or nothing. It's amazing. No. There's so many others. No, I know. Um, I heard about Bruce Willis um, is one of yes. them. Um, he stuttered. Wow. I mean, wow. Wow. It, it, it is. It puzzles my mind. It's it's amazing. We are yeah, out there, wonder, but we're kind of hidden. Right. And I wonder how, my question is, how do they, how are they able to hide it? Like, you never could hear it. Yeah, so with sometimes when some people act, um, it, it, it's like it capitalizes a different part of the brain, I think, and there's probably real science behind all of this. It's probably a speech and language professional could probably do a better job with this. But it's it's like there's a different part of the brain, and when they are acting, then they mm-hmm. will be more fluent. And for me personally, um, when I'm kind of doing an interview, like I'm being really authentic with you. I'm not going off of yeah. like a record. Um, so I'm just, just stuttering a lot. And sometimes, you know, 
when I'm not being so authentic because I'm because I'm very fluent, <laughs> and so it's like I'm playing a role. So that is one of those other aspects there. And also in a film, you can read your takes, and I think that's what happens sometimes as well. Okay. Now, as far as when you go out there and you do your act, have you ever been? Have there ever been people in the audience who are stutterers? Yeah, yeah. The, there was one. Um, I had just gotten off the plane in Austin, Texas, and me and my husband, who's also a comic, went to a show that I got on, and I and and I did my act, and I waited like until the very end of the show even though I was so exhausted, and a guy came up to me, young man, 24 years old, and he said, you're the first person who I met who talks like I do. And when he said talks like I do, I knew he was afraid to stutter on stutter. And it, and it was such an honor to be the first and to also tell him about the stuttering conference and that there is a community out there. And for me, finding that community was the thing that changed everything. Okay. Okay, I got you. Now, if, if stuttering is a disability, why do you say that stuttering is your natural way of speaking? Ah, okay. That's such a good question. Um, so, to me, disability isn't necessarily something that you can't do. It's It means uh-huh. that you may do something in a different way. And as part of that, there is the disabled culture. And in order to have our civil rights protected, under the Americans with Disabilities Act, we need to say that we have a disability. So for me, um, being a person who's stutters and dyslexic, that means that I am covered and protected under a particular class of people. Um, and okay. that is where my civil rights are. And also there is a community of people with disabilities. And to me, they are my brothers and sisters, even though they may use a wheelchair. But we all have those talents that oftentimes are overlooked because of what we can't do when there's a gazillion things that we can do. Right. Oh, Nina, this is what I want to ask you, too. Uh, growing up, I know you mentioned disabilities with your grandparents. Was anyone else in your family having the same as far as stuttering? Um, I have a first cousin who does. And it's very okay. common to have that. In kids who stutter, there's a 60% chance that they will have a relative who stutters. And for me, it was that. Also, my um, uh, on my mom's side, I have a great, great uncle who stuttered. So I probably got the genetics from both sides. But for me, having a dad who was or who is hard of hearing really helped because I saw him accept it and him advocate for himself, and I was able to emulate that. Okay. Now, as far as you know, what what seems to be worse for you, stutter in front of people or their reaction? 
or 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 their reaction you said yeah yeah no it is their reaction i think um a lot of times people who stutter when we talk we get the face and it's this face of confusion or like what the heck is going on here kind of thing and to me that is so much worse than the actual, um, you know, than the, the than my stutter, um, and so that's where I hopefully will man, manage that by letting people know to just wait. Right, and it probably won't be so bad if people just look at you normal and just let you mm-hmm. finish what you have to say. Stop looking at you yeah. like you're a, a, a what's that? A basket case. Yes, yes, that there's right. something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Now, so what kind of reactions do you receive when you do stutter? Um, sometimes I've gotten a hand, which is like someone like like a uh, kind of suggesting to uh un 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 unravel the word. So like you know it's a to spit it out kind of thing. Sometimes if someone asks your name and you stutter on it, we will get stuff like, oh, did you forget your name? Like, ha, 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 funny. Um, and then sometimes men will try to flirt with it, like like they'll make fun of you, by, and, 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 and they think that that's flirting. Um, and so they always get a really good reaction out of me when they try to do that. <laughs> so... It's the, the closed minds that we have in the society. Why is our society like this? No one wants to know anything. They rather stick to what they heard or think they know. Don't even try to open up their minds to it. And now, to me, it's becoming so more common. I mean, we're in 2019. We're not new to yeah. nothing. Everything that we have seen has already been shown to us. So for people to still give you that look like they're dumbfounded, it puzzles me. Like, get over it. Do. People stutter. People do this. People do that. You got everything going on out here in this society. There's nothing new up under the rug. Um, but do you do you still have or will you always have trepidations when you speak? You know, it's one of my goals is to desensitize myself so I don't even think about it. And uh-huh. um, and every once in a while, I would get to that place, and then someone will say something. I was like, oh, that's right. I stutter, and um, and and I wish I could just speak for, for, for freely, but there is oftentimes, almost always, a bubble over my head of like, okay, what's this person thinking? Am I going to get this word out? Da 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 da. Um, when I just love having that freedom to just talk. Right. Just let you go ahead, let you say, let you finish yeah. what you need to say. Understand what I'm trying to say instead of focusing on what you think I might be trying to say. It's kind of almost the same way when somebody typing you a message. Or I see a lot of times on Facebook, people have grammar issues or they'll spell something mm-hmm. incorrectly. Here you go, you got all the Facebook grammar police coming out. Like, I know what you're trying yes. to say. Why, why everybody up on them? They're not in grammar school. I'm not writing a paper. Let me talk freely. So I def, I can understand. Yeah. I, I'm definitely on the same page with you. How do you educate people on your stuttering issue, though? 
you know, I, 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 I try to disclose it. Um, and so there is that piece. I try to educate the environment about it. So, like, if I am working at a place, I will send out a, a email, especially on International Stuttering Awareness Day, um, which is coming up on October 22nd. And that those are really good opportunities to inform people about what stuttering is, what it's not, and what the process is. Okay. Right. And then I love the fact that, hey, I'm going to get you prepared to understand that this is what's going to happen. I'm going to stutter, but I need you to be patient because I got a whole lot of heap of ideas coming out this way, baby. But you just got to be patient. And and the more I'm listening to you this interview, it's not bad at all. It is not bad at all. Majority, 95% of your words have been exactly clear. It's not. It's just people have to be patient. You have to have that mindset. Yeah. I'm gonna just call it like I said, it's ignorance. If you can't, yeah. if you can't function me, then you're ignorant. I don't even need to be talking to you. Because now <laughs> it's no point. We we yeah. we're not even on the same pattern, right? I'm I'm not. I'm gonna just shut down on you. I, I'm gonna just leave you to yourself. Whatever you want to think. Now, do you have the normal butterflies before you get on stage like other comedians, or is it compounded by your anxiety about stuttering? Um, I think that it is more or less like everyone else. For me, comedy is a place where I have control over the environment. But when I order at a fast food place, I don't have that control. And so that actually gives me more anxiety when I have to order something new from a drive through window, you know, like, like this uh, speaker, or to make a phone call because those are environments that I have less control over. Right. Now, I know we're getting to the very end of the show, but based upon your experiences, what would you like to tell children who stutter? I think I would like to tell them that, um, that they should have every opportunity to speak for, for freely and that to find a, a community because when you find people who are like you, you know who you are, you know what kind of respect you should have, you know what you and who you might grow into, and you know what your opportunities and possibilities are. Right. Now, and also, based upon your experiences, what would you tell parents or children who stutter? Um, I think to accept them as they are yes. and to uh-huh. find out from the experts, but but make sure that those experts um, are on the same page at, at, as you and that they're trained in the right ways and that they convey to your kid that – they have every cap- capability to do whatever they want to do um, and that the speech does not have to hold them back. And also that there is, it, it is another way of speaking and the emphasis should be on being a good communicator, not to be a fluent one. Um, and I hope that I've been a good communicator throughout this process. 
You have. That's what I said. You have been a very good communicator. I don't think that you stuttered as much, especially since the fact that you got talking about that you're a comedian. That's something that you enjoy just the same way as Bruce yeah. Willis and Marilyn Monroe probably enjoy acting, so you didn't hear it on screen. You don't hear it. Yep. You didn't hear the stutter because it was something. I'm in my moment right now, and that's how I felt with you. You're in your moment. Nina, anything else to add? Um, anything else you know, you I'm going to be in Atlanta. Um, I'm going to be yes. in Atlanta on Monday, and then I'm going to Portland on Saturday and Friday. And all the information is at ninagcomedian.com. Look at that. The, one, the first female comedian who started. Now look at her. Going around to mm-hmm. other venues, her story. See, that's why I'm saying everybody's not everybody's cup of tea. I learned that yesterday. My, my, when my mentor told me, she said people told her her fingers was long. Now people telling her nails are beautiful. You know, it, just, it, it, just, it just amazes me. You know, people told her she talked too much. Now people want her to speak everywhere. See, it, it's always what people try to down you on or what's been your obstacle. It's always a breakthrough on the other side. You got your cons, and you then you got your pro on the other side. So that's how I feel yep. with you. People probably well, thank tell you, you oh, so much. Gonna... You are so welcome. I, I really appreciate you, Nina, for being here. And I want to give the truth for the day before Nina or any of my listeners get off the line. And this is from my friend and who also was a guest, Mary Ellen Signovich. Free yourself from fear. Yes, your inhibitions can tell you so much about your unconscious fears. These fears prevent you from living up to your innate potential. Your reservations or fears typically serve to protect you from harm. At times, the nervousness you feel before contemplating a certain path actually masks as a deeper fear. You must examine your inhibitions to see if these fears are serving a purpose or or those, or these fears keeping you from moving forward towards success. Today, free yourself to grow to your unlimited potential as an individual. Free your fears. Enjoy the day, everyone. Make sure you like and share this broadcast with everyone out here. Share the value. I'll see you next time on the Bright Side with Technicia. God bless. Thanks for listening to The Bright Side with Technicia. If you like what you heard, tell your dad, mother, cousin, uncle, whomever. Be sure to check out the archive section at www.brightsidewithtk.com. 